Welcome to the Early Accountability Podcast hosted by Kimmy Walker. Kimmy has a track record of serving as a behavior change and improvement catalyst for individuals, groups, and organizations. Get ready to make the best version of yourself a priority. Now welcome, Kimmy Walker. Kimmy Walker here, and welcome back to the next episode of the Early Accountability Podcast. Our guest this evening is Dominique Kennedy. She is a speech language pathologist and a communication expert. She is going to come here today and talk to us more about what she does and how she helps people strengthen the words that they use in the world. Dominique, thank you for being here. Hi, Kimmy. Thank you so much for having me. Like I was saying, I'm excited to have a speech language pathologist on the show because as a school psychologist, (laughs) I work with lots of speech language pathologists. So I know the benefits of SLPs and everything that you all do with individuals. So why don't you first just start by explaining to those in the audience who may not know what it is that a speech language pathologist does. And we know that your scope is even wider than just what traditional speech language pathology might look like, but some of the other communication services that you have and offer as well. Certainly. Thank you so much for opening the floor up to me to share. I'm definitely excited as you are to be able to share this evening. I do work very closely with school psychologists as well. Um, I am both in the medical sector as well as the educational sector. So I have my private practice where I provide services to adults and children, but I also have contracts with a local school system. So I get a chance to provide services to our homeschool and private school families, which is very rewarding. Uh, But again, as far as being a speech language pathologist, typically people think about helping those who may not be able to speak or who have difficulties with their speech sounds. But as you mentioned, the scope is pretty broad in that we work with those who stutter or individuals on the autism spectrum. We may also work with clients who are improving or increasing skills for their voice, as well as feeding and swallowing. So there's a number of areas that speech language pathologists can address, but also specialize in if you so choose to do that. Uh, One thing that has been very rewarding for me is um, not only being able to work with those who have a communication difference or communication need um, that is clinically diagnosed, but also those that just want to improve their overall communication skills, whether it be professionally, whether it be personally, whether it be those who want to just increase their communication abilities between their families, between their children. And there's a number of different ways that I'm so thankful to be able to share in that. Yes. So Some people have difficulties just in general communicating things that may be difficult for them. So they might feel like, let's say at work, they don't want to necessarily be confrontational, but there's something that they're like uncomfortable with. Do you have any pointers on like how someone can kind of start a conversation that they may feel is like hard or difficult? Sure. When you're thinking about the professional setting, certainly there are a number of different considerations as it relates to what that particular office calls for, or maybe the jargon or language that's used in that particular setting. So I would first just approach a conversation, just being open to the exchange, being open to hearing from the other communication partner, as well as expecting to be well received. I always try to go into a conversation with a positive 
outlook and expect the best of the situation and expect the best from the other person. So when you're thinking about confrontational or some things that could be considered confrontational, I always try to think about, you know, what message do I want to communicate? How am I choosing to communicate that message? What kind of body language am I using in the exchange or during the discussion? Am I thinking about a specific word choice that would best communicate my message, but also thinking about my overall delivery? So there's so many different factors that play into how any particular point is communicated in so many different areas to think about in getting that message communicated effectively. Right now, we're going through a lot nationally and internationally, especially with COVID-19. So with quarantine and social distancing practices, the ways in which we have become accustomed to communicating with different people ongoing has really been shook up. What have been some lead takeaways you've been able to give and provide people for as far as continuing to nurture like relationships personally and professionally during these times or just explaining kind of what's going on, especially to like children who may not understand why we kind of have to do this, why we have to kind of step away. And that's even for children who may even have a normal or typical vocabulary, just really kind of understanding what's going on right now. Right. Good question, Kimmy. Thank you for asking that. You're right. It's um, this current climate and the particular uh, things we have to currently navigate affect everyone, not just those who have specific communication differences or specific communication needs, but just all families, all individuals are impacted in some way or another. So in approaching that, when it comes to how you are interacting within your family or how you're interacting within your on the job, I would definitely find ways to continue to connect in some way. So whether you are, I know, for example, as my family has done, we've set up different Zoom calls for our distant relatives and just ways to communicate. You know, we can't have our family reunion this summer. So we're having to set up other ways to connect, other opportunities for connection. Uh, thinking about in your own home, you know, kids do get overloaded by that screen time. So thinking about which opportunities you want to apply to a screen-based situation and what other activities, what other creative outlets you can open up yourself to or provide to your family that would still allow for you all to connect in a meaningful and productive and purposeful way but also ones that allow you guys to exchange in a way that's authentic to your family. And you mentioned um, just having the conversation and how to navigate it, you know, thinking about ways to explain to children or just discuss amongst yourselves how to process what's happening. You know, there's lots of different mental health considerations. Uh, yes. Those who may have already been navigating that particular area or those who may have had certain things be started or induced based on what's happening now. So having the conversation, being open to hearing one another out, being open to exchanging on different perspectives about what's happening and being okay with validating feelings like children, 
may not be experiencing what's happening in the world in the same way that you may as a parent or an adult, but they're still certainly impacted and affected by what's happening. And they have questions and they need answers and they have feelings and emotions associated with what they're experiencing from their vantage point or from their perspective. So again, not feeling as though a child is too young to at least have a conversation, whether that be through hearing them out first and seeing what they currently know about what's happening and then using that as a springboard conversation or making sure that you get your hands on some really creative materials that will help you to explain out or discuss out what is currently happening. So making sure that you expose yourself to materials that will help you have the conversation or reaching out to people who are skilled in navigating that conversation. Yes, yes. And so I also wanted to talk about, I know, well, here right now is June 18th as we're recording. Tomorrow is June 19th. And there's just been a lot going on, again, nationally here in the U.S. and internationally regarding George Floyd and the incidents surrounding that. There's been some riots. There's been some peaceful protests. Um, There's been lots of articles and just everywhere about it. A lot of people have spoke up. A lot of businesses have went and sent out emails to their customers and clients and made their stance very clear on the incidents and how they feel around racism, culture in general. What ways can people communicate in times such as this regarding an incident as such, a topic that a lot may consider very sensitive, and when some may not necessarily be in the group who is directly affected by it? Good question. It's a very heavy topic for some people, very sensitive, as you mentioned, for others. I think that when we think about the experiences that are currently happening with George Floyd and the number of individuals with many names, many faces, yes, you know, that are represented concerning what we are addressing. This is not a new topic, but certainly I'm glad that it's getting national and international uh, recognition. So when we're thinking about how to discuss that particular topic and how to exchange on it, I think the most important thing is to be open to hearing from others understanding their story and their perspective and being open to gaining more knowledge for yourself, whether you are on the particular side of individuals that are being most affected or impacted or whether you are one that is outside of that particular immediate group, but still certainly should be stepping up and gaining more information and insight as to how you can support and how you can be an ally, right. Yeah, be an ally, be an advocate. And, you know, sometimes people don't know how to do that. There's a number of different ways. You mentioned the companies that are doing it. And I think even for the companies, I certainly appreciate those that have released uh, posts and sent out emails and taken action more visibly. But I was sharing with my husband this morning, one of the things I would like to hear or experience is how are the companies, after you send out the email or after... Mm-hmm something what's happening internally what's happening in your current policies and procedures correct what are you doing contractually when you're looking at the services and service providers that you patronize are you looking at the pool of individuals and the pool of companies 
that are being utilized for services that you may be using or maybe partaking yes. in. Yes. Is the representation there, you know? Right. That's huge. That's really huge. And I think too, like you said, that there's different ways we can communicate. And I know I've exactly what you said. I know certain products that I might use, especially in the beauty realm, like a lot of people who know me know I'm into makeup and things like that. I really had to stop and pause after this. And some, like you said, sent out messages. But when I really might take a deeper look at what has been shown by them before this, do I really see diversity implicated on the images that they post or the content that they put out there? And so I really had to look at where I'm spending my money. I'm not necessarily a person that would have commented in the past, but in the recent weeks, I've been like, well, are you going to start maybe getting some more people of darker complexion who have like, so we could see some of the makeup on darker complexion. Cause sometimes I struggle with knowing how something might look on me. Mm-hmm. And I know that's like not a typical comfortable fashion for me, but I felt that, you know, maybe you too have to be, even though I'm a woman of color, you have to be more proactive in voicing some concerns that you have as well. One through where you put your money, you know, one through where I put my resources or just kind of speaking up and just asking. I agree. I agree. I mean, you certainly, you know, shed a lot of points on that. And like you said, we do have to take a look, not only just at what's happening, but be introspective, be reflective, take some time to really ask yourself the difficult questions about what your thoughts are about particular things that are happening. Do you have any biases that need to be addressed? Are there any perspectives that you need to challenge a little more? And, you know, where are you putting and allocating your time and resources? So I really think it's an opportunity for us all to take a closer look at, you know, how we are approaching things, even from just the standpoint of resources and what material are we putting around ourselves? Who's in our social groups and How is that represented? When we have a party for our kiddos, you know, who's at your kid's party? Are there groups represented at the parties? When you look at your materials around your home, is there a high level of diverse materials that are being promoted in your home? There's so many different things just from a base level that we should consider, even outside of what some of the larger or big box companies are doing. There's so many things that we can do just on the ground level. I see you've talked a lot about how people can do what we can do out there. But as far as having conversations around what is, like you said, it's not new, but what is being presented a lot in the media right now with culture and climate, how people can kind of start the dialogue with others around them, whether it's like personally within their families or what they're teaching their kids or just even with coworkers one, like, I know, like, it worked to still be kind of professional and not offensive. Mm-hmm. And two, I think, especially with children, to make sure that, like you say, you are teaching children who are resilient, you are teaching children who are understanding of differences with people, whether it's their skin, like you said, the way that they talk, etc. Just differences in individuals when someone does not look like us, someone that does not talk like us, act like us, and still giving them a certain level of respect as our equals. Yeah, I think you hit a lot of the points when you highlighted the words uh, resiliency and respect. I am a proponent, especially when it comes to children, making sure that we first hear from them and get some information as to what their current understanding is on any given topic. Hear from them first before you 
share your information or share, you know, your thoughts and ideas and shape their ideas, hear from them first. And then my other thought on that would be to uh, make certain that we speak in a way that is celebratory, that celebrates differences, that celebrates culture. And when we think about culture, it's really not even just race and ethnic groups. Culture can be just how you identify culturally or how you identify with a particular group. So when we're talking about culture, you know, keeping it in a way where you're looking at all those different aspects of culture. So again, approaching it from a way that you're celebrating the differences, you are highlighting things that are, you know, worth really focusing in on in a positive light. So that is something I would say when you're approaching children in that particular conversation. Now, navigating in the workplace and navigating in your community can be a little bit of a different approach. And the reason I say that is because you want to be very mindful that certain topics, as we said, can be very sensitive for some. And you know, you can honestly open up the door for someone reliving a traumatic experience. So the things that we are seeing can be perceived and are very traumatic to see. They're very traumatic to witness or observe. So approaching someone and just in a way of, hey, what do you think about this? Or, hey, what are your thoughts on it? You have to be very mindful of where they currently are in their particular mental state and their particular way in which they process what's happening before we open that door. But I'm really big on making sure you kind of leave things open-ended, really being vigilant and discerning about how you approach those conversations. So leaving Mm. the door open, but also not trying, you know, not being so... Forcing anybody to walk through it. <laughs> right, yeah, being yeah. kind of considerate of putting someone on the spot or making someone the token or making someone the voice of a particular group or culture, allow mm-hmm. them to share in a way that they feel comfortable or that feels authentic and genuine to them, but certainly respecting and honoring that they are one individual who has a particular perspective, just as Maybe the next person may have a different perspective, but honoring, you know, their particular way and thoughts around that particular topic. But seeking information, seeking information is really the key to gaining understanding and adding to your particular insight on a topic. So Dominique, why don't you go ahead and tell the audience how they can find out more about you, about the services that you offer. You have a book also. So go ahead and tell the audience all about all the things that you have going on for you. Right sure, now. thank you so much for that opportunity. The best way to reach out to me is through my personal website, DominiqueKennedy.com. So that's my first name, D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E last name Kennedy, K-E-N-N-E-D-Y.com. And there you're actually able to see the full tree of services that I provide, whether you're seeking um, consultation or opportunities for public speaking. I offer different workshops on a number of different topics. Again, you mentioned the podcasting. I do have podcasts available there at the website and my book that was uh, released in April entitled Stuttering, It's What You Think, is still available via Amazon. And I'm excited to share I have two more publications soon to be released. So be on the lookout for that. 
And I am very thankful to be able to share with you, Kimmy, and thank you for having me today. Yes, thank you so much. So Dominique, what are some words that you live by? I know you probably have quite a few. You're a lady of words. What are some words that you live by? What's one of your daily mantras? You know, one of the things I constantly remind myself is that I have the opportunity every day to reset, to refocus, readjust, and restart. And I have that opportunity as many times as I need to do it. So that is something that I share not only with myself, but I share with those that I work with, like really being able to remind yourself of those opportunities. Reset, refocus, readdress, restart. Thank you so much for coming and sharing with the audience how they can be better communicators within themselves and with others out in the community as well. We appreciate your time. DominiqueKennedy.com. Make sure to check out the show notes. We will have her linked. Get in contact with her, whether you're looking for services, if you have you or someone you know maybe having some difficulty with speech, language, articulation, or if you're just looking to be a better communicator, whether it's with your family, in speaking engagements, professionally, you name it, we have it. So definitely check out her website to see about the services, podcasts. We definitely want people to subscribe and tune in to your words. You've had some great guests on there as well. And book, everything is linked into the Amazon shop. So thank you so much, Dominique, for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for your time as well. It was a pleasure to have you join us on this episode of the Early Accountability Podcast with Kimmy Walker. Be sure to visit earlyaccountability.com to sign up for the Early Accountability Newsletter. We look forward to activating your greatness and helping you reach your goals.